This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. I am super thrilled today because I am joined in studio by Andi Kolber. She is the author of the brand new book, Try Softer, a fresh approach to move us out of anxiety, stress, and survival mode and into a life of connection and joy. Who does not want that? And so she is going to come today and bring her wisdom on this subject, and I cannot wait to pick her brain. But before we dive into all of that and talk about what's saving our life and the books that we're reading, Andy, would you just, just take a moment to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, this is my first time in the Nashville area, so it's really fun mm-hmm. to be here. And the weather feels wonderful. It's actually snowing in Denver, like outside of Denver where I'm from. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll totally take this very like calm, kind weather. And we're um, all like, we we just want to be able to wear leggings and boots. Come totally, on. <laughs> which I completely understand as well. But um, so yes, I'm Andy Colber, and I'm a licensed therapist, and I live outside of Denver, Colorado, in Castle Rock. I have been married to my best friend Brendan for gosh, twelve years, and then I also have two kiddos, Mattia and Jude. And uh, Mattia's seven, Jude is almost three in December. And so I have a a kind of a small um, private practice in that area, and I really work from what I call a trauma-informed perspective in my therapy practice. And so what that means is just that I I really seek to see people holistically, Mm. understanding that our stories and and how our body processes pain and, and our different experiences always play into how we show up in the world now. 
And so no matter whether we're in therapy or church or with a friend, um, we bring our stories with us. And so for me as a therapist, I'm taking into account how our body is experiencing this present moment and how that might cause us sometimes to either not fully be alive in that moment or at times um, maybe just give us information about where we are kind of invited to more deeply heal. Mm. So good. As I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking, maybe I could just ask her for an hour-long therapy session (laughs) afterwards. That's never happened before. (laughs) Sometimes you probably just want to be able to like just be a normal person and not have everybody be like, could you help me? I totally get it. I get it. I really do. Because I think, and this is what's fun about I think for me is that I'm so passionate about this. Mm. And it's like, I don't feel like I'm a therapist here and I'm a person here. Mm. Like I'm a therapist and a person. Mm. And obviously I have to have some limits too, like Mm -hmm. with that. But um, I think that's why I wanted to write a book because I wanted to take this out of the therapy room. Mm. And I wanted it to be something that people on podcasts are talking about. Mm. And when you're sitting at coffee with your friend and and that that's language that we have to just talk about our human experience. Mm. So just know, totally get it. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to dive into the meat of this conversation. But before we do that, let's talk about what's saving your life. This is the part of the show where we talk about something that is making our lives better, easier, and more enjoyable. Love this question. There's several things that are saving my life, but I think the one that stands out to me the most is honestly just taking really, not necessarily slow, but really present and mindful walks. Mm. Um, This time of year is so beautiful. And I actually am just getting over, like I hurt my back and I had an issue with, like I um, cracked a tooth. And so I was Mm. in a lot of pain last month. So I'm feeling like myself again. And so literally just to be able to move in my body and like really see like just the the beauty and like to feel all those things feels so good. And I know that kind of probably sounds kind of corny, but I think especially when, because like for a couple of weeks I could barely walk. And so just giving my body permission to like, to pay attention to my own rhythm has just, it's been wonderful. Well, and it really changes your perspective when you have something like that, where you're in constant pain. Mm. It just wears you down. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, it just, and it just gives me so much empathy to like, as a reminder of like when people are in constant chronic pain or chronic illness, um, it's, it's truly hard on your nervous system, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, it really is more than just a physical, it's, it's a whole person experience. We get worn out Mm -hmm. from that. So yes, I think you're absolutely right. It's like, as that has, you know, kind of receded, I've been able to be like, oh, wow. Like it's such a gift to be able just to move. So I feel so grateful for that. And sometimes I think we really take that for granted. I know just right now me being 11 weeks pregnant and feeling nauseous all the time. And it's one of those things that, you know, I'm so grateful for this gift of this child, Mm. but at the same time feeling nauseous all the time wears you Mm. down. And it just has made me think over and over and over again of people who they deal with chronic Mm -hmm. issues like this, or they're going through chemotherapy or something like that. And I just think, you know, it is hard to be joyful and cheerful and grateful when Mm. you have things like that. And, And I think, so you're so is so right to just cause us to think about, you know, what we have to be grateful for. And then 
I think sometimes when we are in those places where we actually do feel well, we we take it for granted. Mm. And we don't just like really stop to notice our surroundings and notice the beauty and all that. We're just like just charging ahead to the next thing. Well, and it's so interesting. Like there's some really fascinating brain science that shows us like that in order for like a pleasant or sort of positive experience to sort of get anchored in our body, we actually have to spend some time with it. Meaning I think it's something like, this is probably totally wrong. So just, just don't necessarily trust this time, (laughs) but I think it's something like we need to spend like 19 seconds, Mm. like really savoring and thinking about the things that are positive or that we kind of want to connect to Mm -hmm. Um, versus when something difficult or hard happens, um, our brain sort of, it's like it sticks to it more easily. Mm. Um, It's sort of like the positive experiences are, it's like it's Teflon and the other one is sort of like, you know, like glue. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that is a, a great reason to just be kind to ourselves in it, to not necessarily say, I can't believe you're so like, I know for me, it's easy to be, I'm an Enneagram four deep feeler. I could think about hard things and that's not necessarily like I, that's easy for me to do. And so to have that compassion of like, you know what, just spend some time with these things that are going well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in this season where I'm working on book launching and all that, just to give myself permission to sink in to God's faithfulness to me, to the the things that are going right. Mm-hmm. And and so and like that's just not necessarily our wiring. Yeah. And so if we can be consciously compassionate with that, I think we have so many more choices around that. I love that. Okay, so my thing that I'm bringing for what's saving my life, it has no brain science or deep meaning. I'm going to talk about my leggings. And that is because I just got these leggings off of Amazon. And I was saying earlier in the show how we're not at the place where we can really wear leggings and boots here in Nashville. Although we did have, our weather was high of 63 the other day, which was like, hallelujah. It was amazing. (laughs) But but I found these really lightweight leggings that are just perfect. Um, I got a three pair of them. It was a three pair set for $23.99 off of Amazon. And I love them. I have them on right now and I will probably be wearing them pretty much every day for the next. <laughs> I love how, it. However long they still fit me because I, it's just, I'm at that stage, 11 weeks pregnant where it's like the maternity clothes are way too big, but the regular fitted jeans are just very uncomfortable. And so I was super excited to find these leggings, especially because they're really lightweight. So even though mm. it's pretty warm outside, they I can still wear them and they're just so soft. And um, so we will put the link to those in the show notes. And I would highly recommend checking them out if you are in the in-between stages of pregnancy or just looking for a really, really comfortable pair of leggings. All right, Andy, what are you reading right now? Yeah, I was kind of chewing on this question because I tend to read several books at one time. Mm -hmm. But probably the book that I am like most, like before I go to bed at night, this is what I've been reading, is maybe you should talk to someone. Mm. And it's by, I think I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, but Lori Gottlieb. Gottlieb. And it's about a therapist, her therapists, and her therapists and their patients. <laughs> so it's actually like a memoir mm-hmm. by a therapist. And as a therapist who's been to therapy, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And it's also, it makes me 
I don't know, like I think it's really validating to see the human side mm. of my profession. And because I think for a long time, there was sort of this, I mean, you know, starting with Freud and all that kind of stuff, it's like you need to be a blank slate, like almost like you're not a person. Mm. You and And there were reasons for that. But what we've come to understand is that we can't disconnect from our humanity. Like mm-hmm. we bring ourselves into the room always. And it's important that we are mindful of that. Like I try to tell people, if your therapist is using your therapy session to talk about their problems, <laughs> please find a new therapist. But that doesn't mean that therapists aren't people. And so it's just a fascinating, like really kind of light read, which you wouldn't necessarily think, but about kind of her experiences in therapy and almost like how much, even as she's working with her ther- with her clients, like the areas of her life that she wasn't even aware um, were so deeply affecting her mm. and sort of this invitation to go deeper into her own work. And so for me, that really mirrors so much of my experience. Like the, the deeper I go into my own healing, into my own experiences, it's like I create more space. Mm-hmm. It's like a longer table, like a deeper cavern to be with other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that's the book I'm reading. And I'm also, I'm about to start um, Boundaries for the Soul by Allison Cook. And then she has a, a co-author and I forget her name right now. Um, but Allison, I know pretty well from Instagram and some of those things. And I just really appreciate her work. She's similar in the sense of like integrative, like very integrative with faith and psychology. Um, and she uses what's called the internal family systems model. Um, and I won't necessarily go all into that, but it's a great, like, I just really appreciate her perspective. So. Mm. Well, I'm actually bringing a novel today, which usually I read a lot of nonfiction. But on Sunday, I started The Printed Letter Bookshop by Catherine Rhee. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. It's R-E-A-Y. I have loved her books, especially the book Dear Mr. Knightley. It is one of my favorite novels that I've ever read. And so this book is, I think it's her latest book. And I just loved, it was great character development and storyline. And it really just drew me in. And I actually finished it in a Sunday afternoon. So that says it was a pretty good book. Um, (laughs) And I think it would be a really perfect book for anyone who really loves books and reading and classic works and things Mm. like that, which actually I haven't read a lot of classic works, but I still really enjoyed it. So I guess even if you haven't read all the those classic books that everyone says you should read as a reader, you can still enjoy it. So we'll put the link to all those books in the show notes. Let's dive into talking all things Try Softer. I want to hear, first off, why you wrote this book. Hmm. Tell me your heart behind it. Yeah. I mean, this book was really started as sort of this love letter to my younger self. Mm. This is the book I wish that I had even a decade ago. Mm. Um, really, you know, I have a story where I experienced a good amount of what is called attachment trauma, um, developmental trauma in my family. And and so what was hard is there wasn't a lot of language around that. Um, I, you know, I went to college and I played college basketball and I did a lot of things that I think caused people to think, man, she's kind of got it together. Like went on to get my master's. There's things that I think we have these markers where people see them and they're like, yeah, she's fine, <laughs> you know? 
and to some extent, I mean, those things were, I'm, I'm grateful for those things and, and there's resources there. But internally, I experienced just a like a war in myself, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of feeling really alone, even when I wasn't alone, not being able to live from a place that like knowing God loved me, but but not really truly being able to embody that mm-hmm. and experience that. And so I I think for me, try softer is the fruit of more than a decade of my own like work as a therapist and really my own therapeutic work, but also training around trauma and really understanding our body and how our body moves through pain. And I think, you know, I, I use that language of like trauma informed and things like that sometimes. And, and I totally get it. When people hear trauma, they're like, I'm out. <laughs> That's not me. I don't have trauma. Go to the next station or whatever, you know. But the thing, I think one of my hopes is that we begin to redefine how we talk about some of these things because this isn't like a um, just these few people over here have an experience of trauma. It's more that this is a human experience in the sense that everybody has a nervous system. <laughs> everybody has this, this sort of um, instinctual neurobiological way that we move into things like fight or flight or potentially dissociation if we perceive experiences to be overwhelming to our nervous system. And if we don't have the support to sort of move through whatever's difficult or whatever's scary, that thing becomes stuck in our body. And and what can happen is that if it doesn't get fully processed, we get into experiences where our body perceives it to be similar and we go right back into feeling like we're we're back in the sort of the disturbance or the trauma. So going back to your original question, it really is for me about first like seeing like wow, I needed this and it's almost an opportunity to make like reparent and sort of make amends, make like say to my younger self like I see you. And I, I wish those things didn't happen, but like, but we are so loved. Like God is with us and you have permission to heal. Like you do not need to stay stuck anymore because you're safe now. Mm -hmm. And I think so often what happens is that our younger selves are stuck in places where they don't feel safe Mm -hmm. and our adult selves or our other parts of our brain don't completely understand that that's the dynamic that's happening. So we don't give compassion to the parts that are still hurting. And so, so yeah, I really want to give folks the opportunity to have the information and the language to know that there's a different way to move through pain. And do you feel like, you know, you said the thing where some people, when they hear the word trauma, or a lot of people when they hear mm-hmm. the word trauma, they're kind of like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like that's just because there's a real misunderstanding of what trauma is? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I I think that's precisely it. And it doesn't invalidate PTSD mm-hmm. and the things that cause what I call a big T trauma. It doesn't mean that those things aren't really significant and don't need um, very specific care. Um, but what it does mean is that we try to put these ideas and these concepts in really clean boxes. I think often it's because we don't know what to do with it. 
And so we want to, we want to be like, well, that's not me mm-hmm. because it, partly it makes us feel better because we're like, well, phew, missed that bullet. I'm mm-hmm. so glad. But the thing that is unfortunate when we do that is we miss out on the opportunity to really come alive. Because when we don't honor our stories, when we don't honor what I would call little T trauma, those things that have overwhelmed our nervous system, we haven't had the resources to move through it, and so they're still stuck, it takes a certain capacity Mm -hmm. to keep those numb and stuck. And all that capacity that we're using is is what we're not allowing our, the way we're not allowing ourselves to live. We're numbing ourselves and we're, you know, I use this language in the book, we're white knuckling to the point that our eyes aren't open. There can't be open Mm -hmm. to the goodness, to the connection, to the beauty, to the compassion that is ours and is present to us. So for people who are listening, who are thinking, I don't know, like, do I have little T trauma in my life? Like, how how mm. do you really discern if you are numbing yourself, if mm. you're in that place where you've experienced stuff in your past that you might not even realize is really affecting you every single day? Yeah. No, I think that's a, that's really good. I think it's a really big category is what mm. I would say first. But I think there are some clues. And one of them would be just in a really, I think this is probably helpful for your listeners to hear, is that there's something that I talk about a lot is is called the window of tolerance. And mm-hmm. this is just a psychological concept that's come from like Dr. Dan Siegel and Stephen Porges. And it's really important work. But the idea is that all of us have a range of of emotions or sort of physical sensations that we can sort of tolerate before we go into either fight or flight mm-hmm. or then or potentially into like a dissociative or like it kind of can feel like depression. And this happens when our body perceives this that we're not safe. And it and I use that term really broadly. Like it could be emotional unsafety, it could be physical unsafety, it could be even the amount of stimulation happening in a room. There's a, there's a broad definition. So I think if you find yourself often outside of your window of tolerance, it's a good clue that there's probably more to the story. That Because people who've experienced um, both big T trauma and chronic little T trauma that's gone unaddressed have a more narrow window of tolerance. And and this is our body really doing everything it can to just help us survive. Our body has learned the world is not safe, and it has come to believe that um, it needs to be on high alert. And that's why that window is smaller because our body is kind of like, okay, where's the next area where danger is coming from? I think the other part that's important to understand is once we're outside of our window of tolerance, the top of our brain, it's called the prefrontal cortex, goes offline. And I know this is like brain science and all that, but this is important because we need our prefrontal cortex to do what's sort of called thinking about thinking. This is where this part of our brain allows us to sort of be like, oh, I'm noticing I'm really anxious Mm -hmm. every time I'm around that person. And then we actually have some choices there. We can like, we can have compassion. We could say, hmm, is this actually a dangerous situation? Or maybe am I responding to something that feels familiar from the past? Mm -hmm. And that's where it's helpful to get with a therapist who understands these ideas. But just for your everyday idea, it's like if you're bypassing that, 
if you're bypassing your prefrontal cortex, you're no longer thinking about thinking. You're simply reacting. We're living from only our lower part of our brain then. And so when we numb our emotions, when we shame them, when we white knuckle through pain, we're missing the opportunity to work with what's coming up. And almost always, and I don't know if this is experience in your life, but man, it's certainly an experience in mine. They'll come out sideways. Mm-hmm. They'll come out in anger. They'll come out in panic. They'll come out in anxiety. They'll come out in a de- you know depression where we feel like I have no idea why I'm not happy about this thing that's amazing, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Those those types of things are really good clues. I think this is also so good to realize because other people, like the more that I've done work and recognize like how wounds affect us so much in our adulthood, you know, like childhood wounds to realize that everyone is walking around with those. And so when someone is reacting with, you know, they seem like they're way overly, you know, freaking out about something or super angry about something or irritable or sad or whatever. And it doesn't make sense. I always Mm. think there's something more there. And it gives me so much more compassion and empathy Mm. towards others because I realize we're all kind of the walking wounded, you know? And I love with your book and that's, you know, just really giving people these practical kind of baby steps that they Mm. can take to be able Mm -hmm. to move from that place of maybe not even realizing what you are carrying and what you're trying to numb and what you're dealing with to be able to start to recognize it so then you can take these tiny steps Mm. toward wholeness and healing. But your book is called Try Softer, and I'd love for you to explain what that phrase Mm. means. Yeah. So for me, Try Softer is really synonymous with compassionate attention. Mm. And the reason why I think those things are totally connected is because it's really about, again, if we're thinking about, it's that part of our brain that can think about thinking. That's also the part of our brain that can observe what we're experiencing with compassion. A lot of us are paying attention to ourselves, but but not with compassion, with criticism and with shame. And maybe maybe we learned that at a really young age. Maybe we learned that in the systems we grew up in or that we've experienced. And so it can often be really scary to change that because we've been taught, and often this is very cultural too, like what will happen if I'm gentle? Like maybe nothing will get done. Everything will fall apart. Who's going to save the world? You know, like there's lots of, I mean, that can look so different. But so the compassionate attention is almost like it gives us the controls to how to work with what's coming up. So it's like if I'm noticing that I've said yes to way too many things in a week, my heart rate is through the roof, I'm sweating and I can't sleep. (laughs) Compassionate attention is a lens that helps me to look at that and say, oh, honey, I know I know you feel like you have to do all this, but like you don't have to sacrifice your sanity to prove that you matter. And so what could we say no to this week? And, it's, and I know there might be some people that are going to maybe even be disappointed, but you do not have to um, martyr yourself mm. for for that. And so so I guess like in that example, it's it's sort of like the part of ourselves that says, how do we stay in our window of tolerance? 
It asks the question, almost a try harder perspective would say, I don't care what your limits are. I don't care what you have going on. I don't care what wounds you have. You get it done and you get it done right now. And try softer says, huh, let's slow that down a beat. Mm -hmm. Let's look at this situation realistically and from a place of groundedness and say, what's What's realistic? And let's prioritize sanity and connection and, um, and you know, feeling loved and all of those things, knowing that the best work we do, the best connections we create always come when we are connected to our actual self, not because we're just keeping people happy or we're marking off a list or we're um, living out of the old narrative that we were given. Mm. So good. So I think there's so many women who are listening who, you know, the subtitle of your book, A Fresh Approach to Move Us Out of Anxiety, Stress, and Survival Mode and Into a Life of Connection and Joy. They're in that place of anxiety, stress, and survival mode. And they're saying, I'm so overwhelmed with my life. Mm. I don't even know how to take the first step. Mm. (laughs) I'd love as we're closing this out for you to just kind of speak to that woman who feels like that. Cause I hear from so many women mm. who they want, like they, they want that wholeness. They want to live from a place of, you know, joy and really noticing life and being able to breathe. And yet they just, they don't even know how to get there. Yeah. No, I so get that. And I think this is, I have a couple of thoughts and in, in the first one Um, I just want your listener to give me the benefit of the doubt because this is going to feel like such a paradox. But the first thing that we have to do when we're in that place is actually prioritize emotional regulation. And one of the best ways to do that, I talk about this in the book, but um, it's something called grounding. And grounding is a practice that utilizes our senses to really get us back in our window of tolerance. Because as you'll remember, like that person you're talking about, I almost guarantee is either partly out of her window or completely. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like, I just want you to hear like that happens, you know, and often that's rooted to a, to a story that we are carrying that tells us that's the only way we can live. But before we can even address the story, we have to address the physiological state because the physiological state will drive the story. And so we can hold both and know that those both matter. But with like something like grounding, a really simple thing that you can do, and if it's possible, if the weather's okay where you are, going outside is a great way to start. But go outside and like name five things you can see. Mm-hmm. Name four things you can touch and like actually touch them. Um, name three things that you can hear and really like listen to them. Um, name two things maybe that you could smell. And then maybe one thing that sometimes it's something that you can taste, which might be difficult inside, but you're trying to as much as possible to tap into those senses. Even I would recommend, again, if you can, um, take your shoes off and feel the grass under your feet. Now, I know for a lot of folks, they're going to be like, I ain't got time for this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let me just say, I so get it because I've lived that. But what I want you to understand is that until we're back in our window of tolerance, we don't really have choices. Mm -hmm. Up until then, we're living out of that lower part of our brain where we're really only reacting. So really the first priority is getting in that window. 
Once you're back in that window, though, one is a couple other things I would recommend. And one is curiosity. And you can use curiosity in a couple ways. One could be asking questions like, I wonder if I could take what I have going on in my life in smaller chunks. I wonder what the gentlest thing I could do for myself today, like in this, in this, t- this little frame of, of time that I have a break. What's the gentlest thing I could do? I wonder if there's a way I could move my body that feels really good to me. Mm. So asking those types of questions led by curiosity is so helpful because it instead of it's more of like an experiment than a right or wrong answer. And that is often something we really need because we so often come from these right or wrong, like this is the only way. But if you can open up to that sort of like, well, what is the information your body wants to share that you haven't been available to? Um, And then I think the last one is once those things start to if those feel okay and are starting to work, I think the other thing I would say is to find a therapist if you can. I know that's not always feasible for folks, but, you know, so much, these are, it's kind of a dance, this work is a dance. And it's the dance of taking care of yourself in your everyday life and then finding spaces. And sometimes this can be done in like a really emotionally safe friendship and or like relationship where you can sort of open up some parts of your story that maybe need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But one of the ways that I do therapy is that I don't want my clients to have to walk around in their trauma all the time. Mm. I actually want my clients to have the choice to say, you know what, this matters and it's valid and I will come back to it. And it's important that we do come back to it because it'll come out one way or another. Mm -hmm. But restoring choice is part of that trauma-informed perspective because trauma takes away our choice. Mm. When we've lived as though we have no choices, that can feel so suffocating. And so just restoring some of those things and and knowing like there are spaces in my life where I can do this work and then there are spaces in my life where I can really just be present, where I can really savor the beauty or just people that I'm with. Those are all some really good places to start. I would also say get a copy of Andy's book. I was thinking, (laughs) especially for people who are feeling like therapy scares me. Because I think Mm. there's I think there is some kind of stigma out there. I don't know if you know that you've experienced this, but or just the feeling of like, I don't have the time to Mm. to to even consider that. But you know, I think you've gave some really great first steps and then to start with getting a copy of your book. And, you know, I was thinking even if there's a friend that you have in your life that you could read through the book together and just really, you know, kind of process it through with one another, that's kind of a first step to give you that courage to then maybe make that phone call Mm. to get some professional help as well. I, I love that. And I think too, that a lot of times, sometimes it can be helpful, you know, like if you read the book, sometimes bringing something like this to your therapist Mm -hmm. and saying, these, like it can give us language to say, here's where I'd like to go. This is sort of where I'm headed. Is this something you feel like you can help me with? Mm. Because I think so often we get overwhelmed by what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I and I totally get that. But I totally, I completely agree with what you're saying in the sense that sometimes we just need a place to start mm-hmm. and we need some language and we need to know we're not alone. Yeah. 
You're not the only one out there who is feeling so overwhelmed or like you just really want to move from that place of anxiety, stress, and survival mode. So Andi, thank you so much. You brought so much wisdom and truth to this conversation. And I just, I literally, I'm so excited to get (laughs) this podcast episode out because I just know that it's going to impact so many women and kind of open their eyes to some things that maybe they haven't thought of before Mm -hmm. and just give them some starting places to move to a place of wholeness. And so again, Andi's book is Try Softer, A Fresh Approach to Move Us Out of Anxiety, Stress, and Survival Mode and Into a Life of Connection and Joy. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.